Hey, welcome to another episode of Purity for Life. I'm your host, Nate Dancer. In today's show, we're going to take a look at the word addiction. And we're going to ask the question, should Christians use that word? To help answer that question, Dr. Daniel Berger will help us understand what the culture means by addiction and whether or not the Bible gives credence to those ideas. The actual literal meaning of the word is is right on. It's a giving up, it's a sacrificing, it's a submitting yourself in, in pursuit of some type of reward. The problem comes with what has been packaged from a secular vantage point in interpreting the features of what is called addiction. Later in the show, Steve Gallagher and Jeff Cologne will talk about one of the things that must happen if a person wants to break free from enslaving habits. That's what's coming up on Purity for Life. Here we go. For the last number of years, addiction has been a very hot topic in our culture, and so that word is getting thrown around quite a lot. A couple of years ago, we interviewed Dr. Daniel Berger. Dr. Berger is an experienced pastor, biblical counselor, and also the author of numerous books that examine the biblical view and the psychological views on various counseling issues. And so we wanted him to weigh in on this topic and specifically the question, does the Bible give credence to the modern concept of addiction? As a way to get the conversation started, we asked Daniel to comment on this clip from Steve Gallagher about the definition of addiction. Well, according to dictionary.com, the word addiction is the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice. And I mean, that's exactly the way I understand it, and that's been my experience for all these years of dealing with sexual addicts, meaning that their life is out of control and they do not have the ability within themselves to stop their behavior. So that's what I would consider an addiction. Well, again, since you uh, have asked me to kind of give the perspective from both secular psychology as well as, you know, what the Bible says on this concept and and see if they're uh, compatible, if addiction can be used in in the vernacular of Christians. And, you know, can we use that word to describe what is taking place? I think one of of the the places maybe to start is is letting them define addiction and seeing what they're saying, um, and we can go from there. So, you know, the, the... the, pitim, uh, the etymology, the, the Latin word addictio, literally means an awarding, uh, a delivering up. Um, it can also mean a sacrifice, a delivering up to sacrifice. But it has the idea of pursuing something in order to gain it. And so there's, there's definitely a pursuit here. And th- this is why seculars, especially in, in neuroscience, in psychiatry, uh, even in psychology, they, they really focus on what they call the reward system. So, of course, within a biological or medical framework, they're going to look at the brain. That's as far back as they can go to understand why why do we as people pursue things? Why do we desire to gain awards or rewards? 
why do we sacrifice in order to arrive? And of course, there's a delivering up when you commit to uh, something in that nature. Uh, the, the other part of that is to sacrifice or to be delivered up, um, which I think Steve and in, in, in Pastor Steve and his um, definition or understanding of the word addiction is, is right there. He talks about being enslaved, uh, which I, I would say is the delivering up, um, even from the secular you know understanding of that word. Um, there, of course, again going back to neuroscience and the whole idea of the brain uh, and the reward system. What they're doing is looking at specific areas in the brain that essentially light up or are involved in our our desire to um, be rewarded. So even children, for example, who are, are sitting in front of a PlayStation or an Xbox for a length of time, that that behavior, that pattern is forming uh, neural connections that um, clearly show that this child is desiring that, uh, if you would. And of course that does show up um, in brain scans. But the question we have to ask is as Christians, are we more than material? And of course, uh, Scripture gives us a clear answer on that: that we have uh, um, we're dual nature. Uh, we have a spiritual nature and a material nature. So, if I can shift now from the secular perspective to what the Bible says, um, I'll give you just a, a, an example of this. I think this is one of the the clearest verses, at least in my opinion. Uh, in Proverbs 5.22, again, that's Proverbs 5.22, it says that the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. And it's it's a really fascinating verse because it's it's showing both the ensnaring, you know, that inability uh, to escape the enslaving, if if I can use the word that Pastor Steve used. Um, He's being held fast by the very choices that he made. So I I like to say addiction is one's freedom to engage in sin, which leads to the ensnarement and submission to its control. In other words, it's it's a false promise. So it says, I'm going to reward you, but in the end, it's actually the exact opposite. It's it's taken away. That freedom that it promises is, is actually taken away. I totally loved what Daniel was saying right there because This is exactly what happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Think about it. And I've definitely talked about this before, but I can't remember if I've talked about it on this show. Anyway, when Satan wanted to bring Eve down, he didn't strong arm her or force her to eat the fruit. He seduced her by appealing to her own desires. He said, basically, if you eat that fruit, Your eyes will be opened, and you are going to become like God, knowing good and evil. And that was desirable to her. She wanted that. And so through her own desires, he totally enslaved her to a life of sin. And from that moment on, that has been the human experience. We know both the freedom to choose, and we also know the enslaving power of our own choices. So let's get back to Daniel Berger here, because when we think about addiction in those terms, then we realize just how common it is for fallen human beings to be addicted to something. Oh, absolutely. Um, We get concerned and call it addiction 
if it has a harmful, destructive, or impairing component. So drugs, for example, as, as a classic example, pornography uh, or sex addiction, as, as seculars call it, uh, those have an impairing and harmful, or gambling as another one, uh, those have a, a harmful uh, quality to them. So we look at them in disdain. But if you look at repetition, and you look at either an experience or a substance, and you look at value and promise, that, that describes a lot of what we do and what we call discipline. Um, essentially, addiction is, is uh, discipline but leads you into destruction. Um, another example of this is, is an athlete like Michael Jordan. If you read a, a biography on, on Michael Jordan, he, will, um, he said throughout his, his time playing basketball that this was his life, that he became addicted to it, that he pursued it, with, with, and it, it consumed him. And when he got out of it, his entire identity was so, so devastated that he became depressed and to this day still struggles with it in his own uh, uh, thoughts and, and confessions publicly. Um, and, and this is a great example. We, we look at Michael Jordan, we praise him for his quote-unquote addiction, but we don't call it that because he was getting paid millions of dollars, he was winning championships. But there is a sense that all of us are under the control of what we pursue. During this interview, Daniel also weighed in on some other comments from Pastor Steve. Addiction, of course, isn't a biblical term. So um, there's many biblical counselors that don't like that term, partially, I think, because there's all the connotations of the psychological community tied in with that term you know, AA, and it's a disease, and you're a victim, and just there's a lot of connotations incorporated in with that term. You know, it's just one of those words that brings baggage with it. So I often use the uh, phrase habitual sexual sin instead of using the word addiction, just to keep it biblical or more biblical, and also to alleviate any of that kind of psychological baggage. So the word addiction does carry a lot of baggage with it. And I think that the important thing to understand is that it's not the, the problem with the word. As I've already shared, the actual literal meaning of the word is, is right on. It's a giving up. It's a sacrificing. It's a submitting yourself in, in pursuit of some type of reward. And so the, the uh, etymology of, of the word is is really good. Um, I think it's helpful in understanding. The problem comes with what what has been packaged from a secular vantage point in interpreting the features of what is called addiction. And of course, they're doing it as we we just talked about from a a humanistic standpoint. So they're they're looking at these mindsets, emotions, and behaviors. And trying to interpret them. So that word is most associated with a secular view of, of what we would call normal, what we would look at as, yes, incredibly destructive. Um, but I'm not opposed to, to using that word. Um, and again, I, I really do understand why, why a lot of people uh, steer away from it. And it, it's not that I don't uh, agree with them. Um, I just think we need to allow people to see what the word actually means, and that means that we address 
the whole neurodeterminism and, and disease model that is that uh, we're really opposed to. That's what we're really, uh, you know, it stands in opposition to, number one, how God created us, you know, the, the very um, understanding of who we are, the dual nature of who we are, as well as what, what Scripture uh, declares us to be. And that's that's my problem with with using the word is really the the philosophy behind it versus the actual word itself. Well, I really appreciated uh, Dr. Berger's thoughtful responses and his willingness to look at this issue from both sides. And hopefully, this discussion has helped you understand a little better how the Bible differs from secular psychology in this area. Um, before we close out this segment. I want you to hear something that Daniel said during this interview that I thought was really profound. We asked him if he ran into a lot of people who were uncomfortable with the idea that a Christian could be considered addicted. The, the people I see struggling most with, with uh, accepting either that they have an addiction or they may not even use that word per se, but um, essentially that they're out of control. Um, that's, that's the real issue, are the people who are out of control. They're, because of the destructive nature and the deceitful nature of what they're engaging in, and again, deceit is key to this, this discussion, there's a promise there that cannot be fulfilled. Uh, because of that, uh, they are also deceived in many other ways, and deceit goes right along with, with every type of, again, quote-unquote addiction or Sin. I mean, it's it's at the root of sin. Um, Satan obviously is the father of all lies, and he's incredibly good about convincing us, as he did Adam and Eve in the garden, that God's promises are not good, and His promises, the world system, our own flesh, uh, have the answers. So the people I see struggling the most are the people that have been given over to deceit or pursuing deceit. And they, they don't like the idea that they're out of control of their lives. They're deceived so much that they don't see that. Um, but again, going back to uh, the Proverbs chapter 5 that we, we mentioned earlier, that is that, that 522 are iniquities of the wicked and snare them, and, and they hold them fast according to their sin. So that sin, that deceit, wraps them in such a way that they don't even see it, they can't escape it. Um, it really does go back to a seat. As, as far as pastors and others, I personally have not met anyone that that uh, thinks that that habitual sin habits, um, you know, ha- have a problem with using that that word or at least the concept. Um, I think most most people, though, when when there's habitual sin, if they're Bible centered, if they're Christ centered in their thinking, are going to call that sin before they call it addiction simply because of what we uh, discussed previously in in that uh, the baggage that comes along with the word addiction. But it hasn't been my experience that most pastors or biblical counselors um, think that it's too heavy a word to impose on on habits of, of sin or destructive behavior. Okay, so obviously there's a lot of difference between what secular therapists teach about addiction and what the Bible says. But where they certainly agree is that we can end up becoming enslaved by our own choices. It's like we build our own prison 
and then are locked inside. And we can try to get out in our own strength, but it feels like we're powerless to overcome. Now, along these lines, let me play a short talk that was given to our residential students because Steve Gallagher and Jeff Cologne both felt helpless at one time to overcome. And they'll share about one of the things that made all the difference in their lives. I just, I had something on my heart before Jeff even started sharing a little earlier, and that was to do with obedience. You know, Pastor Jeff and the others up here, we can create an atmosphere because of our love for the Lord that you can enter into, but if you ever want it to become your own, and if you ever want it to get beyond just an emotional experience, your level of obedience has got to deepen. Guys, you no longer have the luxury to do the smorgasbord Christianity thing, to pick and choose when you're going to obey. Something has got to change. This is where I'd start pounding if I was up there. So, Praise the Lord, I'm down here. Maybe I'll just start doing this. But I really, I, actually, I wanted to come down here because I want to be close to you. Because I want to make it an, a soft appeal to your heart. I was just thinking back on when I was a Christian and struggling and how I would hear a sermon, I would read a book, you know, sometimes good words, but I would just kind of blow it off. And then I'd go home and I would forget about it, you know, and I never let things penetrate. And I never changed. And I remember in 85, I don't know why things started changing, but I started obeying. I mean, that's really what it boiled down to. I just started obeying. I remember I was just talking to a board member back there. I was just talking to him about something that happened back in 85. The Lord started dealing with me on some things, and I started finally doing what he was saying. And things started changing. Wow, imagine that. Things actually started changing. My faith started growing, and my sight of God started growing. And I started wanting to do the right thing. But guys, you have got to get out of this shallow Christianity. You have got to get to where you start really obeying the Lord from the heart. That's how you prepare your heart. You have the attitude, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I am going to do it. You have to come to God with that attitude. And if you don't come to God with that attitude, what you are, you're a rebel. But there are no rebels in heaven just sang a nice little song. We all want to be there. Amen. We all want to be there. But we've got to obey the Lord. And don't think, I don't know what convoluted doctrine you've come up with over the years that has allowed for this life that you've led. I know, you know, I was in the same thing. But trust me, if you don't know what it means to obey God from the heart, you will not be there. You just won't. You know, I was thinking of um, Matthew 7, 21. You know, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we speak in tongues and didn't we cast out devils you know in other words this kind of Christian will they don't mind doing things you know they'll they'll tithe they'll go to church and they'll they'll get involved and they'll do some things but you know what the bottom line is they are always always in control and they decide when and how they'll obey and Jesus said you won't it's those who obey my father's will or who will be in heaven so you've got to learn what that means for your life guys you've got to come to grips with this thing what is God asking of you I bet right now he's dealing with different ones of you about some particular issue or another and maybe you're resisting him or you have been don't be like that you're just wasting your time you, you won't get anything I don't want to make this a big speech tonight I'm just imploring you to go deeper go deeper with the Lord I'm telling you things will change in your life like they did for Steve Gallagher 26 years ago would I have guessed that a year later I'd be sharing my testimony on the 700 club no no way who knows what God will do with your life who can imagine who would have thought that in three years I'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show sharing my testimony why because this pervert in California just started doing what he was told to do finally there is nothing special about Steve Gallagher trust me I'm not some great guy or something I was a jerk I was a rebel I was stubborn I was all those things but something happened and I started obeying the Lord and everything turned on a dime really and that's why God brought you here so start obeying him from the heart amen I had a very strong impression in my heart as I was singing. It's just very real to me, man, that the Lord wants you to know He's here, He's available for you, but you have to obey. You have to do what He says so you're prepared to meet Him. He who hears the Word of God and doesn't do it, it profits Him nothing, right? But if you do it, it will profit you a lot. And it's why these people are sitting here in these chairs and, and up here and all these people you see working here, they're only here for one reason. Because they met God in this place and they said yes to him and they're still saying yes to him. And that's why he's changed their lives. And you're no different as Pastor Steve said. And God is continually wanting all of us to come under Him. Come under Him in every way. And I was reading something to the staff this morning talking about redeeming our time. And it's written by Rex Andrews. And he says in there that eventually, eventually, God wants all of your time. Eventually, He wants all your time. And there's something in me that says, really? Everything, everything, absolutely everything. That's what it means to come under the Lord. But let me tell you, 
The problem is we don't understand what we get in exchange. We get the fullness of God. We get all the precious promises, all the power there is in the cross and the resurrection life we are given access to and it, it's implemented into our lives in all of its fullness. And you will never regret that happening because that's where your true joy, satisfaction, peace, purpose, hope, everything about life and eternity comes from Him and nothing else. And that's what He's trying to give you. But again, you have to prepare yourself for that. You have to do what He says so you can come up to that place that God wants to bring you. You have to do it. There's no other way up there. But he's made a way. You just gotta come under it, that's all, and obey. And what we do, thank you, and, and Lord, I wanna pray. Even if they wanna walk out of here and forget it, Lord, I pray you'd hound them. I pray it would, it would come over and over and over in their hearts and in their minds that the Holy Spirit would be relentless. I pray you would do that for these men. God, whatever it's gonna take for them, Lord, break them, mold them, melt them, God, so you can fill them and do what you want to do in them, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. It's not impossible. There's none that's too hard for here, Lord, if they would just bend the knee, God. And we know you can do it. And we thank you for it, Lord. All right, that's it for this show. I just want to say thanks again to Dr. Berger for his time and comments on the topic of addiction, both from the secular point of view and also from the biblical point of view. And if you're interested in Daniel Berger's ministry, please visit drdanielberger.com. That's Berger spelled B-E-R-G-E-R. -E again, just go to drdanielberger.com. And lastly, real quick, you've heard a lot about our upcoming conference in April, but I don't think we've said much about the pre-conference for couples. Jeff Cologne, whom you just heard, along with his wife Rose, are going to be speaking at that one-day event. And they're going to be speaking about something that they really have a burden for. Because they've been seeing many men ignoring their God-given leadership roles and pursuing many other things like careers, hobbies, or even worse, and it's just resulting in a lot of chaos and division and strife in Christian homes. So Jeff and Rose will use both their testimony as well as their extensive biblical counseling experience to offer couples the biblical truths that are needed for a godly, peaceful marriage. Again, for all the information related to our conference and the pre-conference for couples, just go to conference.purelifeministries.org. That's it. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.